Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Metro editor Greg Jefferson. Nancy Pryor Johnson, associate editorial board editor. Uh, as you all know, uh, on this podcast generally, we, we focus on uh, local and, and state issues. Uh, but I did want to start by talking about what has clearly been the, the biggest story in the country over the, the past week, which was the, the release of the uh, of the video of the fatal beating uh, in Memphis of Tyree Nichols, a uh, 29 year old African American man who was uh, it was a routine traffic stop and uh, was beaten to death by Memphis police officers uh, on January 7th. Um, Memphis is a city I lived in for nearly four years. It's a city I love. Um, I, my heart goes out to Tyree Nichols' family and, and the people in Memphis who are who are hurting right now. And I, um, I, I guess I just wanted the, 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 the video is, is shocking and we've seen some, some shocking police videos over the years. This one, uh, I think even stands out, uh, compared to some of the others we've seen. Um, Nancy, I guess I want to get your thoughts on like what your first reaction was when you saw it. I mean, I put it off. I knew it was coming, you know, I knew it was, it, it was going to be shared and, um, I didn't watch it till yesterday. And then I, I looked them up and, and watched it and, and read, you know, the descriptions of it. It was very hard to watch. I mean, just I feel like it's our responsibility um, to watch it. I don't think anybody should say they're not going to watch it because this is America and this is really important to know what's happening out there mm-hmm. and to acknowledge it and for us not to watch it. Imagine what his family feels like. Right. They had mm-hmm. to watch that. Um, and imagine what people, um, you know, black men who are out there on the streets who who are afraid of police for these very valid reasons, imagine what they feel, right? Mm-hmm. So we all have a responsibility to watch it. Um, it was disturbing. That is not policing, mm-hmm. right? That is like the savage beating by this wolf pack. I don't know. I mean, it was yeah. just like something like I've never seen something like that. Um, it just seemed I just I was just very taken back by, is this real? Is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Um, it it just, how, why couldn't they get him under arrest? Why couldn't they handcuff him? And ha- why couldn't they stop beating him? Um, the point where, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I had to stop it several times. The point where they're, they're holding him up to beat him. Yeah. Like, why? Right? Yeah. It, I mean, when you think about the mission of, of a of police officer, which is to, you know, to protect the public, to maintain public safety. There was none of that involved here. This was someone who was really no threat to the public. Um, something, something that should have been handled in a much more low key way, if at all. And he's, you know, he's there on the street. He's saying I'm, I'm on the ground and they're still, they're yelling at him. They're kicking him. They're beating him. He's, he's yelling for his mom. It's, it's a horrible moment. Uh, and, and I was really struck by how at the end of it, as he's, he's laying there on the street and he's, he, you know, he's basically dying in, in front of him. And they're all just kind of talking about, talking about it, um, it with this, in this very sort of casual way, they're kind of joking about things. They're, they're, uh, I think one of them is saying, oh, he's, he's high, which, you know, was, I, I have no idea if that that's the case or not, but they're, they're just, they're just there was very little in this that I saw of where there was consideration of the fact this was a human being when they're, when they're, when they're hand as they're handling the case and as they're like standing around talking while he's dying, I, I just never really got the feeling that, that, um, this was a human being. And I, I, uh, that they were, 
that they were cognizant of that. And um, I want to mention, I mean, a couple of years ago, there was uh, that in Congress, we had a bill introduced, which is the, the George Floyd uh, uh, Justice and Policing Act. And it passed the House and it got, you know, blocked in the Senate. Um, and you know, I think that there is room for bipartisan debate on. I, I, I don't. I don't think there should be any doubt that we need to look closely at policing in this country. We need to look at how uh, uh, police policies. We need to look at at, at training practices. Um, people who are making it through academies and 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 whether some of those individuals are are should be on police forces. There are a lot of things we need to look at. Um, and if there are some disagreements about some of the, the details in that bill, um, I think that, that the two parties should be able to hash things out and try to come to some kind of compromise that can, that can address the problems that we continually see with policing in this country. Um, it's a very hard job. We all know that. Um, but there's just no room in, in, this, in this country to have for, for people uh, to be, to, to be conducting themselves in this way. I mean, I, well, yeah, I mean, and <laughs> think about it in this way. Uh, what happened before body cameras? I mean, right. that's a great you know, I mean, point. Right. We, we've seen some horrific acts, yeah. uh, carried out by police on camera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, not too I mean, worried about like, the fact yeah, that they're going to, yeah. yeah. And they it's weren't like, even worried about they weren't. it. Right. right. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. Uh, so what happened before? You know, I mean, and how how have body cams like has it you know has it That's a benefited us as a set probably, but it's you know it's 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 impossible. I mean, you know what they will do on camera, knowing. I mean, great. not even that. I mean, forget you know, just set aside the morality of it of of beating the man, setting him up to beat him again. Uh, they knew they were doing this on camera. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's stunning to me. Just yeah, horrific. San Antonio Police Chief uh, William McMass called the, uh, the 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 beating of Tyree Nichols incomprehensible. I think we're going to probably hear this this case, this incident talked about as we uh, if the um, the charter amendment dealing with with police policing uh, actually gets on the ballot, which I think it's likely to get on the on the ballot. So I think that's going to be something that we're going to be talking about, and we should be talking about policing. We should have a really um, open discussion about, about policing in this country. Um, shifting to, to local issues, um, Anna Sandoval, uh, we've talked about her uh, District 7 Councilwoman, uh, she, her, her, we talked about her uh, decision to resign and that her, her term ended or her, her tenure ended uh, at the end of last week. And City Council has decided, um, and this is because of the fact that we've got uh, city election happening at the same time and that seat is going to be open they decided to basically wait a month to fill the city council position um they're going to be deciding uh, uh, they're going to have a, a two-day process march 1st they're going to have uh candidates come in uh candidates for the appointment come in and and talk to the council and they're going to whittle it down to finalists and then on march 2nd they will they will pick someone if that person doesn't get as many as eight votes it would be another 10 days before they actually start to serve i, I think whoever gets it will probably get those eight votes but um this is kind of a long period. And Greg, I mean, you've covered city council a lot over the years. Uh, what do you make of this? This is a new one on me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. yeah. No, I mean, one month without a council representative. I mean, you know, sounds like a long time to me. I mean, so I assume that Sandoval's staff is kind of effectively the council, mm -hmm. the council representative. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, there's no, you know, there's no right. uh, 
sent her to that office. So Andrew Solano is her chief of staff. I mean, he's kind of the de facto, de facto councilman. Member, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's to me, it's, uh, and I don't know. We don't have a good answer uh, about why um, council has decided to delay this. I mean, you would think that this is something having a council member, even an interim appointee, um, would be a matter of urgency, yeah. and it's not. And it, it, I think it goes back to, um, you know, concern about, you know, we've got candidate filing. Uh, it opened a couple of, you know, about nearly two weeks ago, um, that somebody will be appointed and they will, uh, you know, get the interim appointment and then wind up running for the seat. So they're waiting, you know, the by by appointing some you know an interim on May second or March second, you you're past candidate filing. So anyway, you know for a fact if you're the person you're appointing is not running. True. Um, it's kind of paranoid though. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have. Yeah, I mean, yes, we have the the example of Ivy Taylor. I was thinking of that. Yeah, exactly. And it always kind of goes back to Ivy Taylor. She was, um, you know, she was the interim mayor. Um, she said she would not. Seek the office and, and, and then, kind of got the appointment at least partly yeah. on the basis of the fact she said she right. wasn't going yeah. to to run the following year. And then, bam, she's running. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, this is, um, you know, I guess you know if if that's if that's your template, it's like okay, this this makes sense. But this is to say we we don't trust anybody who you know we we don't right. trust the applicants uh, if they tell us you know if if candidates or if applicants are telling us. Uh, they're not going to run. That's not their plan. Uh, we're just, we're, you know, not going to really buy it. So yeah. there wait is one out. though, right? There's one that's already said he wants to. Dan, he Rossiter. Wants the inter- yeah. Rossiter. Yeah, Rossiter. Yeah. And yeah. because he says there's no accountability if it's a lame duck mm-hmm. um, I mean, person in that seat. I mean, but can they just tell him don't do it? Well, I mean, they could just say. Um, <laughs> or not choose That's fine. Him. But we're, we're going to choose somebody else. Yes. Right. We're not going to choose you. And plus, I mean, this is, you know, his lame duck. Argument. I mean, I don't know that that much is going to get done in the next. Yeah. You know, heading into an election, yeah. things That's right. tend to calm down at city council. I don't know that they're going to be. I don't think it's going to have that much of an effect of an, of an effect to have somebody in the interim position who's going to, not going to run for the office. Yeah, but you know, to put things in perspective, I mean, when Phil Cortez had like a you know military. Uh, service uh, that that let forced him to leave the council for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. They filled that seat. Uh, recently, Clayton Perry had right. to take a sabbatical to deal with with his mm-hmm. issues, I think, to get some some treatment because of, of uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chemical dependency. I would uh, that's apparently that was the case. Um, they that filled that seat two weeks, right? Wasn't it about two weeks? It was very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like, I know the, the car crash was November 6th and then his absence began mid November. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Gallagher was By, December 1st. Yeah, December yeah. 1st. Yeah. So that's about yeah. two weeks. So they're more than doubling it for this, for this. One. So yeah, they just, they've mm-hmm. really never liked to leave any kind of a, mm-hmm. a, a Chris Medina, I think also had to leave. Right. It was a sim- similar to the Phil Cortez situation and they filled mm-hmm. that one. And right. uh, so they, they don't like to leave these things vacant. Ana Sandoval, it was pretty, clear if you look at what she said she said i would have liked to have had this filled quicker but i didn't i didn't have a say in that mm-hmm. um so the, the thing that's that there there are a couple of things that are curious to me about this um one is the idea that they didn't want the um the fi- election filing period to overlap much mm-hmm. with the um the application process well mm-hmm. 
even with with that in mind, the way they set this up is the application process begins on February 13th. Election filing doesn't end until February 17th. So basically, you got that work week from that Monday through Friday when people mm-hmm. can do both. Right. Um, if I even with the Ivy Taylor example, uh, I think it would be it's hard to imagine somebody saying, I'm not going to run and then double crossing them like <laughs> right. a week later. They right. file. Yeah. I mean, at least Ivy she Taylor. A gave it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it was a matter of months. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's uh, not like six days. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm not denying that there are some brazen people out there, you know, but uh, I just said that would be I would, I would almost tip my hat to somebody. Who said, I'm not the running. Spot. And then like wow. a week later, change my mind. <laughs> Circumstances have forced me to change my mind. Um, uh, the voters. Right, there's been a ground, ground swell. swell. I, I have no choice. It's I've the voters. Right. I'm being, uh, I'm being they, inundated. They uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so I think this would be the time frame would make this a little hard to imagine. <laughs> right. But even if we go with that, um, uh-huh. on February 17th, election filing will end. At the end of that day, they'll know who's mm-hmm. running in the election. They could have started the, uh, the process of of, of talking to applicants mm-hmm. as early as Monday, February 20th, have a special council meeting on 20th, mm-hmm. pick that person on the 21st. That's like a week and a half earlier. You could have had yeah. a council member for at least mm-hmm. that, that week and a half. That's, mm-hmm. so I mean, that's bare minimum. They could have done that. I think they should have just gone ahead uh, as early as possible. I think you should be doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not saying that it's the end of the world for people who live in district seven. They, uh, she had a, uh, a very competent staff and they're going to, they're going to be able to handle things. But I think it's, if you look at the way the council has has uh, emphasized the need to have somebody representing w- mm-hmm. whatever district uh, has a has a vacancy, I think th- this is just something they've never done before. I've yeah, it's seen. it's weird, and um, you know, it comes down to Mayor Nuremberg, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, there's sure. there's something going on that we don't know about. You know, I just, I yeah. you know, there's got to be some explanation yeah. about why council has decided to leave the seat open for a month. Yeah. Um, and we don't know what that is, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. it definitely didn't come out, you know, in the meeting last week where, where mm-hmm. this, this, this procedure was established. I like the fact that they don't, that they wanted it to, to, to give this appointment to somebody who's not going to run in May. I, I agree with that, mm-hmm. but I still think this could have been handled better. I mean, I, I do wonder if, I mean, Rosie Castro, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, she's, she's probably the most prominent person we know who will seek the interim mm-hmm. appointment. I mean, does this have something to do with her? Like, is this, and I that's mean, who Anna, I mean, that's who she endorsed. Right, I mean, yeah. that's and who that, she supports. That, yeah, exactly. So. And that's a kind of an unusual step for yeah. a council member to throw her weight behind, you know, a particular. Think there might be something yeah. that we don't know about. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I don't know what, like I said, I'm just putting it out there, but I do not, you know, I'm not, I don't know what to think about. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Um, Another thing that happened last week on city council was uh, the vote to use the power of eminent domain uh, on Moses Rose's uh, hideout, which is a downtown San Antonio bar. And there have been ongoing, uh, I I don't think there've been, I don't think he would describe them as negotiations, but there have been some, there's been some talk uh, between the general land office and and the owner of uh, of the bar, Vince Cantu, over buying the property so this can be converted into uh, an Alamo uh, visiting visitor center and museum. And uh, my understanding is that they, they, the highest offer has been three point five million. He wants something in the neighborhood of seven or eight million, maybe more than that. City Council last week 
uh, approved by a nine to two vote um, invoking the power of eminent domains, basically uh, uh, take over that property. Uh, the only two votes against it were uh, Terry Castillo and uh, Jalen McKee Rodriguez. Um, this seems this seems like a, a big step, and, and the council was was pretty united on this one. Um, uh, given, I mean, I think. Uh, the sense that I have just from like people I, I hear from in the community, people were pretty unhappy about this. And um, it was interesting to me that you had, you got nine votes mm -hmm. uh, to go forward to the, what, what, what do you think? Rick? Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is a property rights kind of state. Sure. So it, it, it seems like, you know, this is, this is a really serious step to take. Mm -hmm. I mean, so you, you know, that you, you, it kind of engendered the kind of reaction you saw at council last week. Um, I mean, it depends on how you feel about the the redevelopment of Alamo Plaza and and the uh, the land offices plans, you know, the Alamo Trust plans uh, to remake the whole Alamo experience. If if you believe that the Alamo Museum is worthwhile, it was clear that um, he wasn't going anywhere, uh, Mr. Kensu, owner of owner of the bar. Um, for and you're right. Like they haven't, there haven't been ongoing negotiations. I think you know, um, during the council meeting last week, Mayor Nuremberg said, "Yeah, that we've been." I, I'm mm -hmm. not. I don't quite remember how he put it, but kind of implying that mm -hmm. they'd had kind of talks for mm -hmm. six years. I think what happened was they, you know, they would make an offer, yeah. and Kentu would say, "That's way too low." <laughs> that's not really <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's not really a negotiation. Yeah. I mean, the you know, I think at, at one point he was saying, you know. Seventeen million dollars yeah. would be a right, fair 17. price. And that's <laughs> the thing is like it's and you you kind of know where he's coming from, right? Because he's he's looking at this as, you know, the the future earning potential. That's not how you sell a business. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. he, he wants to take care of himself, uh, you know, his future. This is like his one big shot, really. Right, yeah, it's his one big shot. I mean, sales, you know, property sales like that just don't work that way. Um but now, um, you know, it's it is funny. So you've you, the city council approved uh, entering the process of imminent domain. They're going to negotiate mm. with him first. But the question is, how serious, you know, how real is a negotiation when you have the threat of condemnation? How long was it? Was, it, was, it? was there some, is, I'm not sure if there was any yeah, I don't, decision I, on I that. don't recall if there was, uh, you know, we're going to give this X number of months. But I mean, the reality is, um, you know, Cantu will probably be um, a little more serious about actual bargaining mm. and and the state um, because if 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 he doesn't then it'll just go through the eminent you know domain process and he'll wind up getting market value yeah. uh, and there's there, you know there's not once you go through condemnation uh, the the state's really constrained in what it can offer for a property it's got to fall within the appraised value and you can't say you know in that process you can't say hey Sorry, I know this. This yeah. is this is you were thinking about this in terms of your future, but this is you know. So this is a, a the, this is major leverage for right, the yeah. state now. Yeah, the, that's yeah. right. Oh yeah, I think the last offer that they made was three point five mm. million dollars, which is way off than the seventeen million dollars, way lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't see them offering any more than the 3.5. Mm -hmm. And actually mm -hmm. at this point, I think it's generous. Mm -hmm. If they were to offer the 3.5, I think he'd be lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And you're, you know, you're talking about tax dollars, right? 
right now. So, um, you know, you're, there are no, there are no gifts. There are no Easter eggs involved in this. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, he's not going to get anywhere close to what he'd hoped. You know, I never really believed the 17 million. I just, it didn't seem serious to me, but maybe, I mean, maybe it was, but if if so, he's going to be really disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Really disappointed. Yeah. And, uh, and as you said, I mean, I think this state, I mean, it's probably true in many other states too, but there's, there's definitely, uh, I think the people are very sympathetic mm-hmm. to his to his situation. I think yeah. people hate the idea of property property right. owners having having something right. like this done to him. So it's gonna be interesting how it plays out. Yeah. I want to wrap up by talking about two bills that have no chance of passing uh, <laughs> because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> well, that's what they, that's what these two lawmakers. Do. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. That's that's right. right. That's that's right. Better to do. So it's, put it on if them. If we didn't it's, have that, them, then, yeah. then how how fun would the the, <laughs> right. the governing process be? Um, so anyway, we had uh, last Monday, I believe, Ted, uh, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz did what he does every two years at the beginning of a new Congress, which is he files a bill calling for a constitutional amendment mm-hmm. uh, to impose term limits on Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's always interesting to me how it's always the bill is always the same. And uh, as I mentioned in the column the other day, the, the first one in 2017 uh, was carried in the House by uh, a congressman named Ron DeSantis, who we've been, been hearing about a little bit lately. Mm-hmm. But um <laughs> But the, it's always the same. The The terms are a uh, maximum of two terms for U.S. senators, 12 years, maximum of three terms for members of the House. So House members get six years. Senators like Ted Cruz get 12. Interesting. But um, so it's always the same and it never goes anywhere. Right. But what's different this year is that two days after he filed the bill, State Senator Roland Gutierrez, a San Antonio Democrat, filed his own bill saying, basically saying, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a great idea. And I'm going to and I'm filing a bill in the, in, uh, the state legislature uh, calling on U.S. senators to be term limited after after two terms. He also sent a letter to Ted Cruz um, in which he, he said, um, I read with great interest the filing of your bill, which proposes a constitutional amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Um, and he said, your leadership on this issue has inspired me to file SB 96 in the Texas legislature. Um, I, I, I think the sarcasm was uh, like <laughs> it was off the, off the charts on that one. Um, and he goes into the, the issue of, of whether it's, you know, it's constitutional to have for a state to tra- pass uh, a law which would govern the election of federal uh, office, uh, election uh, officials mm. or office holders. Um, so um, one of the one of the things that people have 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 thought in, in looking at this is that Roland Gutierrez is trying has in mind uh, possibly term limiting Ted Cruz himself by challenging him next year. Um, I talked to him about that. He's said what you would expect him to say that concentrating on the legislature this year. I, I don't have any, and you know, he represents Uvalde and he's dealing with, uh, you know, he filed legislation dealing with gun reform and trying to uh, get compensation for the, for the people of Uvalde. Um, so there's that issue. Um, but there's the other issue, which is that, um, you know, Ted Cruz's bill, if it became a constitutional amendment, would not apply to, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't apply to anybody who's been, been serving up to that point. If you've, let's say, if you've already served two terms, it would it would take effect from that point on. And you'd be limited, to say, two terms in the U.S. Senate from that point on. Ted Cruz is is coming up to the end of his second term next year. Why doesn't he do as Beth O'Rourke did? Beth O'Rourke was also he was a Democrat who believed we think of this as a Republican issue generally, but Beth O'Rourke was a Democrat who believed in term limits. He got into the U.S. House, said, "I'm not going to serve more than four terms." After three terms, he he 
He term limited himself out and he ran for the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Ted Cruz just like term limit himself out? I think that's that's really what mm-hmm. what Roland Gutierrez is trying to to, to yeah. kind of uh, poke at him about. Yeah, this this may sound crazy. <laughs> I think he likes power. <laughs> and My favorite. I think, okay, yeah, yeah. I know. This is nuts, right? <laughs> and and okay. he's he's a master of demagoguery. <laughs> You and spell he's, that. He's, these are actually <laughs> these actually go together. We can. It's a way of talking about the cleaning. You know, draining okay. the swamp. I mean, look, Ted Cruz um, when he's serving his what nineteenth six year term as U.S. senator <laughs> is going to be introducing the same bill, yes. and wanting to drain the swamp. I mean, does anybody take this seriously? No. My favorite part of that letter from Roland was, yeah, let's let's set the example here in Texas. Twelve mm-hmm. years from one center is enough. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I it's funny, but you know, they I mean, I think term limits are something that I I support them. I think term yeah, limits would get some new blood in there and and some new and mm. you know, these giving into special interests and all of this. I mean, I think it would help a lot. And you get younger people in mm-hmm. there. I think across the board it would it would just help. I always thought and, and Ron Gutierrez said that he you always thought the same thing. You know, the term we have term limits. They're the voters. Voters can vote people out. But we know what the reality is like. And there has right. been more turnover in Congress, uh, particularly in the U.S. House. I think in recent years, you know, going back to the the Tea Party wave election and everything. So it used to be that you know, just if you got elected to the House, you unless you were in a in a, in a swing district, you were just you're going to be there forever. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, we've had we have people who have serving 40 plus years. We have people, I, I, I really don't want to be ageist about this, but I don't think anybody, uh, mm. it, we should have somebody who's just got elected right. at the age of 89 I mean, um, yeah. after serving 40 you know plus years I in mean, the U.S. Senate, which think, is happening. Think of what term limits would have meant in the 40s and 50s in terms of civil rights legislation. So yeah. you had, I mean, it's a great point. you had Southern Democrats who both senators and Congress congressmen. I mean, I don't think there were any <laughs> congresswomen at the time. Probably not. Uh, anyway, <laughs> definitely um, not. Yeah, they they were elected and they returned over and over again. They built up power. They they had you know really substantial uh, chairmanships in the Senate and House. A lot of them bottled up civil rights legislation and really slowed that push. Mm-hmm. You know by you know by a decade. Yeah. I mean, and if that if that hadn't been in place, if there had been term limits, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, then again, it's you know, who knows? But um, it would have been would have happened a little faster. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, I I'm, I if I had my way, which I don't, um, I would probably lean towards something like uh, maybe eighteen years in the Senate, three terms, mm-hmm. eighteen years in the House, nine terms. That way, you would have be able mm-hmm. to build up some institutional knowledge, right. have have some experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wouldn't get into these ridiculous situations where people get elected, you know, to and, and serve in the Senate for, for 40 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, again, that's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, I would watch um, Roland any any uh, public comments that Roland Gutierrez makes about Ted Cruz going in the in the coming months. Mm-hmm. I would watch those with interest because. Something could be brewing. I don't know that, but something could be brewing there. And I think it could be interesting to watch. On that note, we will wrap things up. Hope everyone's doing well. And we'll be back with you next week. We'll have a special guest. uh, um, We're making a secret right now. But uh, we will have someone next week. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care.